Hello. Hey, big boy. Hello. Can you hear me? Thank you. Yes. Hello. Can you hear me? Thank you. Who's... It's Danny, you idiot. What? It's Danny, you idiot. Oh, Danny. Well, why? Why am I getting some person talking? I don't understand this. Danny, it's like a woman's voice. I don't. I don't understand this. It's like a recording. It's the only way I can talk to you. Oh, okay, okay. All right, never mind. Without a microphone. Gotcha. Let's do phone calls, bitch. Welcome to the mouthpiece. Today we're going to talk about my week in LA as I'm calling in from LA. We're also going to do our phone call segment along with a special interview with back to back dealer's choice champion, Mr. Adam Freeman. So buckle up and stay ready and stay tuned. Episode 17 of the mouthpiece is on deck. Okay, everybody, welcome to the mouthpiece. I'm here in L.A. in my hotel room, and I am recording this, episode 16, year one. Um, We're going to talk about uh, what's been going on in uh, my life here in California. Uh, So far, it's been a pretty good week. Uh, I flew in last Thursday, and I'm... Recording this segment, uh, let's see, today is Friday, so I've been here eight days, and uh, things have gone pretty well. I played on the uh, stream last week uh, in the shots kind of heard around the world. Um, I was crushing the game for like 35000 and had a brain fart and lost a 90000 chip pot with aces, which was the easiest check fold in history. But I had a brain fart, and I got a little cocky, and I started to uh, – I told myself check fold the flop on an 8-9-10 flop with two aces. I was just sure that the, the flop was all over him, and I decided to call 5,000, and then I was just going to just check fold the turn. A king came on the turn, and I knew that Garrett knew I had aces or kings, and I tried to turn – my ace is into a bluff, and I know he would have folded um, even a set because he knew I had aces or kings. That's why when I did it, he goes just one time because he was so sure I had three kings. So that was a mistake I made. Uh, but after it happened, I bought in 10000 more, and I said, well, that's probably the best thing that could have happened to me. I was getting a little cocky, and I was playing really good, and uh, – uh, I've said it before, cards will make you, egos will break you, and I let my ego get in the way. Uh, but I put my head down, and I ended up winning 40000 after being stuck 10 after losing a 90k pot. It's so funny. Uh, on the internet, they love to make fun of you, call you how bad you are, how poorly I played the hand. But they don't talk about the 50000 straight I won, including about 30000 I robbed with nothing. Uh, because that's what the Twitter trolls do. They all want to say bad things about you, and they never want to talk about the good things that happen. So overall on that on the stream last Friday, I played, I thought, uh, an amazing session. Uh, one hand I played bad. It cost me uh, an extra 35000 
But uh, you learn from your mistakes, and uh, that worked out uh, well to book a nice win uh, to start off Friday. Uh, then went, uh, we uh, went into Saturday, and I uh, took uh, the day off, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, then uh, Sunday, what did I do on Sunday? Oh, Jesus, let me think if I can remember. Shit, I forgot. I got it all documented. It's going to be on the video vlog uh, when I get home, all the trip to L.A. But um, I ended up uh, playing a little home game tournament in which I won that for 2500 and that made me win back-to-back -back tournaments for the first time since 2004. Uh, Five, if I'm not mistaken, or 2006. Yes, it's 2006. So last time I went back to back tournaments, it was for a million and five hundred thousand. Uh, this one was for 2,700 and 2,400. But hey, you got to start somewhere. Uh, I then played on uh, Thursday or Wednesday. What was it? Yeah, Wednesday. I played in this uh, the Quantum Million Guarantee tournament. Were for like 160 bucks, you go in a uh, quarter million for first. Um, I did not sleep well. I was tired. I didn't really want to play. Phil took half of me, insisting that I play. And I said, I don't want to play, Phil. I got a bad feeling, and I got a good feeling you're going to win it. And uh, I played terrible because I was tired. And I jumped into the 5-5 game on the Live of the Bike stream, 5-5 with a 50 ante. And I booked a 4,600 win in that game. I thought I played great on that game, too. Uh, so that made up for my kind of pissing uh, 3,700 in the street, which half is mine, half is Phil's. Uh, so that uh, put me for a little bit of a win. Uh, then came, uh, which was uh, Thursday. Yes, I think it was Thursday. That was uh, yesterday, right? Yeah. Yesterday morning, um, in which I was uh, extremely upset. Uh, actually, it was I'm sorry, it was Wednesday morning. I made a mistake. I apologize. Uh, Wednesday morning, uh, in which uh, a guy organized the game. They were starting a 2-400 mixed game. He had been telling me for three days, organizing the game. And uh, I asked him about 12.30 at night if we... And is there a seat available for Brandon Cantu if if he comes down? Uh, the person who organized the game said, yes, but be there at 10.30 sharp. We're drawing for seats. There are so many people that we're going to probably have two games. So um, I get down to uh, to the uh, room at 10.30, and that's me, Ralph, and one other guy, uh, Martin, a uh, very great friend, a very good person, Martin Schaefer was in the uh, starting the game, and uh, so uh, they Ralph says uh, we're going to start one two, and I was kind of like, well, you you never said anything about a hundred two hundred, you said two four hundred for the last three days. So he says, well, he goes uh, a couple of people canceled, and uh, but David Pham and George insist that they only want to play two four, and they're going to come down when we start the two four game. So I played for about uh, two hours in the 100-200 game. Lost every hand. It was like 4,500 loser. And uh, at which time, um, the person who organized the game said that 
George and David Pham were coming down and to get ready to start the two four game. So um, it was like a rep porter, uh, Matt, uh, who I think is like the best player in L.A., and Johnny Chan, not the greatest start game to start a three-hander with. Uh, so I'm sitting there, and David Pham comes down and uh, takes Matt's seat in the 100-200 game. Now, he had insisted we didn't play any 100-200. He only wanted to play 2-4. And so uh, it kind of bothered me a little bit. And Matt's just sitting there. He gave up his seat. And so I kind of felt bad. I said, okay, Matt, I'll come over and start the game with you. And um, so I come over, and he said that, uh, okay, George is locking up the seat. Uh, he'll be right over. So I uh, we picked the games. uh I wasn't that comfortable with the games that they picked, uh, but I made it doable. And I'm the type of person, you know, I give my word. I'm going to be down to play two four hundred. You know, I, sometimes you just have to start a shitty game, you know, and uh, then the game fills up with some good spots and the game gets better. So I start the game. We're playing four-handed, and then George comes over and he takes my 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 seat in the hundred two hundred game. Now I'm fucking going crazy. I'm like, wait a minute. So we start this game, 2-400, expecting David Pham and George to come over and play 2-400 with us, and they take mine in Matt's seat. And I'm, like, steaming beyond, like, imagination, like, typical L.A. scumbags that are all out for themselves. They, they didn't like the 2-4 game, so they took the 100-200. See, now the 100-200 game's great, and I'm in this dog shit 2-4 game. And then, lo and behold, I don't even know how – John Hennigan even found this game. It was, like, not up anywhere. He walks in. They hadn't had a 2-4 game at the bike in months, according to what I heard. And uh, so now I'm playing five-handed. I mean, you can't make this up. Me, Johnny Chan, Rhett Porter, Matt, who I think is the best player in L.A., and John Hennigan. This is the worst five-handed game in history. Uh, I lose, like, two pots for another 5,500 or 5,400. I cashed out, like, 125. I picked up my chips and quit. And I left, and I was very upset. And I uh, texted the person that put the game together and said, listen, I'm not mad at you at all. I said, it's not really your fault, even though you did say there was never gonna be, it was going to be 2-4. You never brought up 1-2. Um, and when I was talking about angle shooting and scumbags and fucking people in L.A. because that are all out for themselves and nobody else, you know, I was kind of talking about, you know, I'm I I don't give a shit. I was talking about David Pham, and this is the second time I've called him this because uh and listen, I, I get along with the guy and everything, but you don't sit there and say and uh, the person who put the game together showed me his text that he was playing only two four and not one two, and then you don't like the two four game and then you take my seat and same with the guy George taking the guy so these guys took the hundred two hundred seats. So I was pretty going pretty crazy about it. I was really upset. Um, and, uh, I, uh, it's so funny. Uh, so I proceed to, uh, put in this group text and I wasn't even, uh, thinking about, uh, who was in the group text. I just saw that there was somebody had texted in the group text. So I had just kind of like was venting and it was so funny. So I, uh, I, type, I, I, I texted into, uh, the group text I wrote, today's lesson is on the English dictionary. And I wrote, low life equals someone whose word is worthless and whose only care in the world is about themselves. 
Then I wrote word two equals self-absorbed. A person's entire well-being revolves around the benefits of oneself whose word is like the dump I took last night and who cares only for what's best for them. And I wrote number three word, society, equals 75% of words, one and two combined, also mostly relevant to poker players who live in the L.A. area. Kind of a dig at how they're angle-shooting motherfuckers. And then I wrote number four, Californian, equals a dumpster fire of hypocrites whose only thoughts are how to make themselves better. English lessons are over. Have a nice day. Well, lo, lo and behold, uh, Randall Emmett, I guess, was in this group text, and he's insisted thinking I'm saying this and talking shit about him when I was just trying to vent myself about what just happened in the game downstairs, and he starts texting Phil and Brandon, Mike's dead to me, this piece of shit, what he just said in his text. And it just goes to show you, if he's thinking it's about him, well, maybe he's not the greatest person in the world. And maybe he could be a low life or whatever. How else would you think it's about you? I had no, I had no idea he was even on the text, to be honest with you. So uh, that kind of happened there. It was pretty funny. So, uh, anyways, uh, last night, uh, or uh, the night after this happened, this was Wednesday night, I went and visited my cousin Greg and my cousin Rusty in the Valley. I haven't seen Rusty in about six years, and I've only seen him like once in like 20. So it was really great to catch up with him and to see my cousin who's uh, moving to Woodland Hills on Friday. So uh, being in L.A. and being able to see them was great. Uh, So then... uh, that happened Wednesday. Thursday, uh, that was yesterday, uh, We I uh, kind of slept and I was extremely tired because I hadn't been sleeping much and I had to get up early in the morning for a game that didn't even exist, which pissed me the fuck off. And then um, we uh, went out to dinner, a uh, really nice dinner at Delray Steakhouse at around uh, 9.30. And uh, then I kind of went to sleep and... Uh, Got up to play uh, the quarter fifty hundred live at the bike, uh, a big game that we put together, which was a real good game today. Uh, it was just uh, unfortunate that I uh, wasn't uh, playing my best the first three hours. I was really struggling to focus. And if you haven't seen the stream of last Friday's game or this Friday uh, at Live at the Bike, I think you should check it out. Uh, but I played my, another hand bad where I gave away a couple grand, and I looked up, and the next thing, I, I, I'm 21,000 loser, and I'm just like, man, how am I 21,000 loser? It just doesn't seem like i played many hands. Uh, but I knew I was off my game, and I wasn't off by a lot, but I was off a little bit. And I made, I just said, no matter what happens, I'm not putting another bad chip in. And I thought I played fantastic the last two hours and ended up losing 1500 in which Phil had half of me. So it was pretty much a break-even day. So overall, uh, it's been a great week so far. I am ahead, uh, let's see, I won uh, 39 minus plus 2,500 for winning that little home game tournament. And... uh, Overall, uh, but still, I'd have to be in the 39. I won like 19, 21. I'm about uh, 13,000 in my pocket winner for the week. And that's uh, heading into tomorrow's LA uh, uh, Legends of Poker at the bike, uh, two day ones, 5K buy in. 
I have a really, really, really strong feeling I'm going to do something great in this tournament. Now, I don't know if I'm going to win. I don't want to just call my shot and say it because I've never won a WPT, but I am 100% positive I'm going to cash and go deep. Um, I'm feeling a final table. It would be nice if I'm right. Uh, my gut is uh, usually right on this, on these things. But, you know, uh, it's occasionally wrong. But uh, lately, ever since I've been out of pain, um, it seems like my inner gut has been right about almost everything, including not wanting to play that tournament on Tuesday and and uh, not uh, just everything that's just right just tells me, you know, it's just my gut's been right. I was really pissed off at Phil Hamuk, who final tabled the event, which I said I thought he was going to win, and he made a five-way deal when he was playing with Phil and four people that like probably haven't played for more than $200 in their whole life. He had such a big edge, and I don't know what made him make a deal. I was mad at him for I don't even know how many hours straight. But, hey, he he, he won 95000 and he also won like another 100 in a cash game earlier in the week. So he's been doing well. I've been doing well, and uh, that's what's been going on here. So um, I uh, have a video blog set up for my trip to L.A. Uh, when I get back, and hopefully it'll be after I win the Legends tournament. And uh, you guys will be able to check in uh, to uh, my video blog at uh, YouTube slash Mike the Mouth. And that's what's been going on. We'll be right back on The Mouthpiece. The Mouthpiece. If you'd like to take part in our phone call segment, you can give us a call at 702-329-0480. And if you're a snowflake or a pussy and you don't want to talk to me, you can email me at mouthpiecepodcast at gmail.com. Also, follow me at the Mouth Mattiso on Twitter for times that our call-in segment will be live. Without further ado, we are going to take some phone calls right now. So let's light up the phone lines and see what people have to say today. Hey, what's up, Mike? Anthony from Clinton, North Carolina. I love the podcast. You're doing a great job. Awesome. You're entertaining. I love your guests. love your insight. I have a question about PLO split. Um, I know you're a great split game player, so I just wanted to to bounce some uh, questions off of you. Uh, could you talk about starting hand range and uh, and uh, PLO, high low starting hand ranges? What you should look for, what you should play, what you should definitely not play. Um, any insight will be appreciated. Love the show. Keep it up. Peace. Okay, so um, that's a good question. So hand ranges of PLO eight or better is um, a lot different than regular eight or better. Uh, In PLO eight or better, uh, ace-king-queen six, ace-king-queen seven, any ace-king-queen goes way up in value because if it flops like a a king, um, you're able to bomb the pot and, and really put people to the test with people who have like a dry ace deuce. Um, I'm not the type of person that will ever call a raise with any ace-deuce, 9-10, and PLO-8. 
are ACE deuce eight, and those are really bad hands in PLO eight. Where a regular O eight, uh, they're good hands. I don't want to give away too much because I am starting my own teaching site uh, coming out real shortly on on uh, eight or better. But I will say that uh, it's real important in starting hands to if when you have ace deuce, you must have like ace deuce three, ace deuce four, and a paint card. Ace deuce three king is a massive hand. Uh, one two four queen uh, with the ace suited. Uh, my advice is just just stay away from the ace three five tens, the ace four five jacks. Uh, those are all really bad hands and trap hands. So you can come in there with a lot of marginal hands, uh, ones that you can hit flops with that won't get you in trouble. And uh, what people, a lot of people don't understand is uh, in PLO8 is, is uh, it, a lot of it is, uh, uh, is you, it's important to have a two-way hand. Uh, you can't find yourself drawing for half the pot or you're just going to die. So that's my advice to you on that. Thank you for the question. I appreciate it. Hey, Mike, big fan from Tennessee. Just wanted to call in and say that I talked to Alan Kessler over at Cherokee last week at the circuit event, and I was just curious, do you ever play any of the circuit events? And wanted to say that I really enjoyed the video markup police. Appreciate it. Good luck in the future, Mike. Hey, thank you for the question. Uh, no, I don't really play any circuit events. I don't, because of my injury, which whenever I fly, I'm in a lot of pain. Like even when I landed uh, last Thursday, I was in pain for uh, from when I landed until I woke up. Uh, because of my injury with the pressure of the cabin, it uh, expands and um, contracts in my injury in my spinal cord. So whenever I fly, I'm in a lot of pain. So that's why I don't really travel to any of the uh, circuit events. And uh, at my kind of age, I don't really like to play that many tournaments of travel. I like playing the LAPC, the, the Legends that I'm down here for, and I, the Bay 101 and the World Series. That's pretty much all I play. But I appreciate the question, and uh, keep listening to the uh, mouthpiece and uh, tell all your friends to listen. Thank you so much. Hey, Mr. Mike the Mouth, you're my biggest fan I've ever uh, had in poker. Love your... Uh not a very good poker player. I never played anything more than $50 at the casino, but like watching you play. And I have a question. Why do you let Phil Helm you talk crap about you so much? Because it's really annoying, and he's trying to shut you down at the bike, telling you you talk too much. I think you should just tell him, my, tell him that he should shut his mouth and quit trying to control you so much. Just tell him to shut up because it's really irritating. Well, I appreciate the question. Um, you're not the only one that uh, says that. A lot of people are getting upset that Phil keeps putting me down at the table and try. And the thing is, is you have to understand about Phil. Is, I mean, Phil loves me. We're really good friends. And, you know, he can't help himself. He doesn't literally put me down and think to himself, I'm putting Mike down today to try and make myself look better. Or try. he just, that's just the way he is. Um, and, uh, you, <clears throat> you accept your friends for, uh, for what they say and what they do. Uh, and I accept Phil for that. And it's, it's kind of funny. We were talking the other day, you know, I was telling him how much I just hate people who 
brag about what they win or what they have or who they hang out with. And so Phil goes, well, you must hate me. I go, Phil, I've known you 20 years. If I didn't know you, I would say I can't stand the way you are when you act like that. But, you know, there's one of Phil, and we've been friends for so long, and you accept him because I know he's got a heart of gold and a good person. And uh, so I deal with Phil that way. Uh, I could never have another friend that is like Phil. I could just – because I just would go crazy and despise it. But, you know, you have to just understand that Phil doesn't mean anything by it, uh, and uh, he's a good person. So you take it with a grain of salt and you move on. But I appreciate the question, and uh, thanks for calling in on the mouthpiece. Talk soon. Hey, Mike. This is Tom. Just calling from Boston, calling to say uh, keep up the good work. Love listening to the mouthpiece. Thanks, buddy. Bye. Well, I appreciate it. And um, tell all your friends to keep tuning into the mouthpiece. And uh, also, uh, if you want some great video vlogs and you haven't seen any of my videos, go to uh, YouTube slash Mike the Mouth and uh, some great videos there. And I appreciate you listening and for being a loyal um, customer. Thank you so much. Mike, where's my steak, man? Come on, make it happen. I need a steak. 60-40. I'm sorry I don't stake anyone because I need to get money myself and pay everybody what I own before I can help anybody else out. But, hey, hope you find yourself a a steak somewhere. Later. Hey, Mike. I was wondering what the best way to play pocket jacks is. Thanks. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, pocket jacks are probably the most misplayed hand in all of No Limit Hold'em. Uh, back in 2002, when I was like two to one chip lead on the field for the uh, World Poker Tour Championship title, and I had like two million, and the next guy had one million. I literally got stacked with jacks three times and finished 14th. I picked up jacks against fives. The guy hit a set. The same guy who doubled up moved in again on me with fives, and again I hit a, he hit a set. And uh, then when I built the chips back up, I flat called with jacks, and the flop came like 10-10-4, uh, and Lee Salem moved in, and I snap called him, and he had ace-king and ace on the turn. So uh, that was pretty shitty. That's my, and I said after that, I'd never go broke with jacks in a poker tournament. And I don't think I have, I think maybe once since, uh, if if that. Uh, my advice is uh, when somebody raises under the gun or under the gun uh, plus one uh, to always flat. Um, if it's a button raise, uh, it's kind of a hand I like. To, I'll three bet there. And, um, and, of course, if he four bets, you know, then I'll, I'll kind of you know, try and stare them down and get a read off them. Uh, but most of the time, I, I kind of like flat jacks and uh, see how the flop comes. And so many people re-raise with them and play big pots with them. And even uh, uh, two nights ago, uh, when Phil was almost down to the final table, guy opened under the gun and just for one raise. And Phil had two jacks and just looked at him and he just had a bad feeling the way the guy was playing with his chips and he just folded for one raise. And uh, Phil was right, the guy had two kings. So uh, a lot of uh, 
a lot of uh, no limit hold'em is uh, is reading your opponent, uh, despite what all the math and model geniuses think they know. If you can't read, uh, you ain't gonna win. So uh, uh, that's my thought process on that. Just try and keep the pot small with them, and try not to go broke with them. Pray flop, that's for sure. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it, and uh, thanks for listening to the mouthpiece. The mouthpiece. This is Mike Sexton, and you're listening to the mouthpiece. Welcome to the mouthpiece. Today's special guest, Mr. Adam Friedman. Adam, how are you there? I'm doing great today, pal. How are you? Good, buddy. What's going on? Uh, just, uh, you know, it's the offseason. World Series is left over. Just uh, going to get ready to get back in the uh, swing of things here, a little bit of poker. But in the meantime, just uh, enjoying life right now. Sounds good, man. Sounds really good. Let's talk a little bit about how your summer went. Um, uh as you know, I had uh, Sean Deeb on a couple weeks ago, and uh, we talked about um, your guys' head-up match a little bit. Um, and we also talked about what an accomplishment it was to uh, win the dealer's choice, not once, but two years in a row. I, What Sean said was, no, people don't give you enough credit and 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 that you're very underrated as a poker player. Now, with that in mind, I, uh, I'll agree. Um, I will probably say I've never given you the credit you deserve um, because I see you do so many wacky stuff. I, I fall into that category sometimes of what Ted Forrest once told me is everybody rates their A game against your F game and that's all they remember. And uh, and I, I've fallen into that category and I uh, do apologize because you deserve the credit that you you deserve. So um, with that in mind, uh, what, uh, let's talk about uh, uh, you defending your title in that tournament and how things went. Uh, well, things went great <laughs> for me, obviously. We know they uh, went great. Uh, um, yeah. But can you just uh, dissect any where there uh, few? Did you was it was it smooth sailing to the final table? Was there ups well, a lot of ups and downs? I ask you this for a reason because I know you're a lot like me. You're a very emotional person, and when things start to go south, uh, you sometimes unravel. How did this? Did it just give me an eye? run through what was going through your head uh, pretty much the whole way. Sure. We'll start a uh, day. We'll give it, I can give you, we'll start with a brief summary on day one, go more detailed from there. Mm-hmm. So I have a strategy. I more or less laid up. Uh, literally since this was the fifth year of the dealer's choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a 2015 was the first year. And early on, I realized quickly, there are some games where you just have massive free roll opportunities where your chips have no risk, you don't have no risk whatsoever. Um, games like stud high, low, no, stud high, low, no qualifier. Yep. Big O, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 and, the, and the split pot draw games, yep. I think, are major uh, advantages uh, when you draw really good, uh, when you get really good table draws early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing, and you have so many opportunities where you're just free rolling from the first or second draw on, or you've just got people just stone hammered locked. And big O because they just 
they'll stick it all in, you know, with with an ace deuce and like a one pair of hand. Yeah. Where I remember I had a hand against I remember I had a hand against Anthony Zeno on day one of the big go where uh I raised I wanna say it was ace deuce, queen queen, uh four, uh, with an ace size suit. You know, it's a very premium hand in the game. Yeah. Uh he defends. The flop goes six five four. Uh I think with my flush draw. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you flop the nut low, still have queens, which really isn't really much of that Yeah, flop. Uh, in the big O, that's, that's not, shouldn't be that good a flop for you. If, if you hit your flush draw, then it's a big hand flop for you. But of like it was, it was just a four, five, six. That's, that's not that great a flop. But go ahead. Yeah, so he actually leads into me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember he, he leads pot right into me. Mm-hmm. Well, I just, you know, I call. Correct. And the turn. The turn pair, I think the six or the uh, the, the top of the bottom card. I, I'm honestly drawing a blank which it was. Mm-hmm. He bet the pot again, and I folded right away. And my only thought was like this: There's just no doubt he's got ace deuce. But the, I'm just absolutely, I could be just dead to the other half, and I could be putting all this money in draws. Yeah. And in PLO eight, in PLO eight, when you have one card less, all right, you're you're not, you're not likely you're not going to be folding. Yeah, I'm never, I'm never folding that in PLO eight. Yeah. And I'm probably always folding it where you did. So. Um, yeah, that's good the, to hear. The majority of the people in this tournament won't even consider for like I played so much big O out in LA when yeah. we put in the mix in the last uh, two three years. Like folding that didn't even it didn't even dawn on me to put another penny in that no. pot. And, and it shouldn't people like forget forget calling. A lot of people just a lot of people will raise. Right, but we're not gonna we're not gonna I mean, teach anybody big O or or the games that we have huge edges in because yeah. uh, we're 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 just not why we still have these edges. No. So, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, yeah but, it's not even so like, it's so not even one, close. Yeah, exactly. So like you know, like hands like that, that was one of the two hands that really stood out for me on day one. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, we start with sixty thousand, and if I remember right, I think I ended the day with probably a little over a hundred thousand. You know, I didn't double, I maybe a little less than double my starting stack, which is fine when you're playing these ten k events. Yeah, uh, you know, just day two is when you got to start making hands, and uh, I drew an unbelievable table draw on day two to start with. Uh, there were two players I know didn't play any of the limit games. Jacob Dahl is at my table. Uh, I literally looked at Jake, and literally, we didn't have to say a word look, looking at the table. Like, we literally, literally was like, you choose two you choose two of the games, I'll choose like two other fears some more games. Yeah. And before you know, these two, the two, two of the people who had a lot of chips, they, they were out by the end of the uh, first level on day two. Jake ran really bad. He couldn't get a penny off them, whereas I took a lot of chips early on from those guys. Where I just had to just shoot, huge free rolls and just kept getting there. Yeah. Uh, especially in Bedusi and Bedusi. But then uh, eventually the day wore on. Uh, we get down to the final 25 or 30. I'm probably probably a little bit below average at this point. And then, uh, uh, you know, in this tournament, I'm never try- I mean, again, I don't mind playing any. I don't mind playing any of the 20 games. It doesn't bother me whatsoever. Right. Ideally, I don't want to. I don't want to play. A, uh, you know, a game where you know, potentially you can get all in one, uh, you can get all the money in immediately when a hand's just going to play itself, like a pot limit Omaha right. or a pot limit triple draw. Right. So there, there was a hand where uh, I draw a blank. The guy who won the 10K triple draw this year, he raised under the gun in PLO. Mm-hmm. And I flatted like decent aces on the button mm-hmm. uh, when he made 9,000. And then Adam Owens in the big blind, he makes it 37,000 to go. I'm like, okay, here we go. Wow. Uh, <laughs> we're going to get it all in PLO. So, and, uh, Luke, uh, Luke Schwartz, uh, right. he tanked forever under the gun and folded. Mm-hmm. He gets back to me. I potted to like 120 something. 
he thinks about it uh, and calls, and the flock goes queen seven seven, and the, my last sixty seventy thousand gets in the middle, and he just has a pair of queens, and I turned aces full. That might have been the one time I showed truly any emotion in the tournament. I actually right. clapped, and I can't think the last time I clapped at any point because at this point I'm thinking, man, I just I really want to go back to back at this point. Well, you know, um, it, you know, I still think it was really that realistic yet. There were still about twenty five thirty people at this point. I think uh, I think that. Um, we now know why Adam Owen had a very poor World Series of Poker. That's um, that's kind of a, a telltale sign. I mean, like when you repot, I mean it's it's aces every time, and he probably called yeah. you with a ace king queen. It was, it was it was king queen ten nine or king queen jack nine or something, and the flop right. was queen seven seven. So like, how can he lose another chip? I mean, you have aces a hundred percent and i mean seventy thousand at this point is is probably is probably a good five four or five big bets and limit right i uh if i, if I had to remember i want to say it was it, it could be anywhere from three to five maybe three to six uh Which but is I, it was so many five range by what it does right yeah yeah so i mean at, at this point now i'm up to like four hundred thousand i'm like yeah. all right just stay cool you know don't do anything stupid. You'll just, you know, you can grind out a little bit. Get to half a million to be in great shape. And before I know it, uh, when we got down to about three tables, I, I don't remember any specific pots. I was up to about five. Uh, I went from about 400 to about a little over five. And then I just go on a major heater basically to end the day. Oh, uh, I'd be, I'd be Claude, who I think who is one of the best, who I think is one of the best players. Uh, I was question one of the best players I've ever played with. Yeah. And a couple really big pots. Claude, um, Claude, you want you want to always play split games with. He's he's very weak in the split games, and he's very yeah. good in everything else. So, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, that's just the way it is. Uh, it's uh, for some. It's kind of like me. I struggle. I can't play short-handed PLO for some reason. I my brain just doesn't click to it. And for some reason, um, Claude's brain doesn't click in the split games. I I, I don't know why, especially in in the 08 and the PLO8 and and the big O's and stuff like that. But other than that, he is just a fantastic player. Um, and I agree with you on you know with that with everything you said about Claude. So yeah. So. Uh... So again, back to, like I said, I oh, and for people that don't know who uh, we're talking about, it's Chris Claude Nicky we're talking about because we're saying yeah, Claude, yeah, yeah. we're saying Claude, Claude, Claude and people that are listening yeah. to the broadcast, uh, uh, you know, need to know we're talking about Chris Claude Nicky. If you don't know who he is, he's just he's a fantastic all around poker player. So go ahead. Yes, he is. So yeah, so eventually, I mean, like, I I cooled him in a few pots. Uh, one was a real big stud high hand, and then. Uh, to end the night, I think we got down to the final 11, and I was a chip leader at this point uh, to end the night, and I'm I'm just doing everything not to get overexcited because, I mean, you know in these tournaments, I mean, yeah. you can be the chip leader at 11 to go and go out and you know, piece the place or something. You know, yeah. like, and it's like, what, you know, like, and then you're just like, oh, my God, what's you it But, kinda... you know, it, it can be standard in these, and that's fine. Yeah, and... You know, as long as the hands play themselves, you know, you know, you don't overplay or try to run the table over because, I mean, unlike a lot of the no-limit home events, you see, like, you know, the, and the majority of the 10Ks, not always, but the final 10, 12 players, especially uh, in a tournament like this, where you're going to be forced probably to play all 20 games, there just aren't going to be any bad players, you know? No. Uh, people just are so good. I mean, 
I thought I had an incredible. I thought I had a very difficult final table. It's very possible. It's the second yeah. uh, most. It's probably might be the second hardest final table I've ever, ever had to play. Well, uh, yeah. at the World Series or in general. I, um, you know, I I, but, I give Matt Glantz credit. He told me the five people to go, and he was short chipped. <laughs> he said, and he picked pot limit triple draw, thinking the two guys with big chips would do something stupid, and he'd move up. And he moved. He ended up. They both grenaded, and he moved. I don't know if he granted to you or Sean, whoever he lost chips to, but uh, and he ends up moving up to third and picking up fifty three thousand more. And what a great strategy that was to move up. I guess his he he didn't feel like, you know, he was in real good chip position to possibly win, and uh, moving up in the money was in that spot was was his thought process and it worked to perfection that he told me it was, all about. It, I, I thought it was a very smart idea because I mean, you know, again, if, you know, if one person's dealt the two, three, four, seven, someone else has dealt a pretty similar hand. Mm-hmm. It's hard for a lot of chips not to get in the middle that, uh, at that point. Right. Uh, if, you, if you want to play a little more of a trap, but I think there are merits to having some sort of a trapping game involved. Uh, oh, but yeah. I, you know, at that point, in pot limit um, triple you know, draw, really I think it's all about pot control and trapping. I I think I, I think I, I I mean I'm not a master at it, but I picked up how to play the game right away with with a lot of help from Mike Wattell, um, who, as you know, is probably the most underrated poker player in the world. Um, he's definitely uh, he's definitely one of the most underrated. He just it's just because he's real quiet. And, you know, he's not. Uh, He's not maybe mm-hmm. new. You know, he's not considered new. What's great? Not. It's. I mean, I mean, uh, I, I he's mean, not under the age of thirty, so people don't really know anything about him. Yeah, and um, and you know, so he he gave me some a lot of tips about you know hands to play, what to play in position, um, what to how to control the pot. Um, so many people just think it's like limit and. You know, they get they'll do three, four, seven. They think they always have to repot it. You know, they don't. They could just call. Guy draws two, you draw one. They have. They don't think you're drawing smooth or anything. And you can no, really. No, I think in a, in a best case scenario, you might have a an eight six five draw or something. In a best right, case scenario, right? Like you have eight six five three or something, or eight six five exactly. four. So, uh, you know, it's. Uh, <laughs> I you know I learned a lot of tricks in that game. Uh, I don't want to give out too many of them, but uh, I learned it a couple of years ago with the help of and and in the big bet mix I finished I think eleventh and thirteenth in back to back years. I kind of grenaded it this year because I jumped in it right after I had busted out of the PLO tournament forty uh, fifth in a just a horrible way where I misclicked the amount to put in because you know they had the one set of chips where the uh, orange 5k's and the 25k's had a red band on the and they they almost looked identical i i remember you're right okay so i i i remember these set of chips a year before where i misclicked so i had one twenty-five thousand chip and i was trying to sell it to the guy next to me and he was in a hand because i was worried i might put it in and well, I don't even want to talk about what happened there, but that's what ends up <laughs> happening. I end up with a min raise to a guy who limped under the gun, 
and then he repots it. You know, he's got aces, and now I have to call. I've got seven, eight, nine, jack, and it, I, I grinded this nub forever, and uh, and there went. I mean, I was down to I had two hundred fifty k, and I had uh, we're at ten and twenty thousand or five and ten thousand blinds, which you know is an eternity. Or I'm sorry, ten and twenty. So I was limping for twenty. What you know, two hundred fifty k is an eternity. Of, pot lemon omaha i mean i could fold 27 hands in a row and and still have 160,000. now you get it in two in a row and you're chip leader you know how pot lemon omaha works so of course uh, yeah i was pretty upset at myself what happened there and then i i jumped in a big bet mix and had only i grenaded two tournaments that one and the one that I cared the most about the 10k pot lemon omaha eight those are the only two i played bad all summer and other than that i uh thought I'd play well but you know going back to I wanted to bring up a point for people that don't know for the listeners out there that don't understand what you're talking about when you say high low regular now the reason why I bring this up is the first year they they brought the dealer's choice in maybe it was the second year was the, it was the first year that um Rob won so yeah that was like yeah, uh, I think it was five years. the first year. Okay, so that year, right? The, this is like the second level. I've told this story before, but I don't know if my listeners. I've told this to my listeners, but uh, you know, we talk. You talk about high low regular. You just have them dead, right? So I uh, <laughs> I limped with uh, Deuce four six and. The guy who picked the game, he was the bring in with the king, and everybody folded but him. Now, remember, you got to understand this. This guy picked the game. Okay. So, for all you out there, I'm going to try and explain what, what kind of happened, and you could kind of understand what happened to me here. So, I, he has a king. I hit a three, and he hits a king. And he literally raised me eight times. Okay. Wow, that's uh, that's special. Special, right? On the next. I mean, unless uh, you make three pair. I mean, I get he's got. He obviously has three kings. Right. But I guess the only way he can scoop is if he makes a king low and you make three pairs. Well, I. You think obviously he has three kings, but um, right. so uh, I then my deuces on the next street right and okay. I he raises me like six more times we put six more big bets in on this street I am curious what was the fifth street card uh, his hand is now king king three now okay. on the next street I catch a nine and he catches a four and he like six bets me all in so my whole entire stack on level one or level two of of super juicy tournament has now been put in the middle of this and on the river i hit a nine low and a pair of deuces and he proceeds to roll out of the hole a ace 
three, four, five, seven with a pair of kings. And that's how I got Holy it. crap. Now, I, I tell this story, uh, people that don't know, is any, any means the low automatically gets half. Um, I was, I think, 97.2% to get at least half in this hand on when all the money went in on four and five maybe 98 that would sound about right yeah i think that it was 97.5 right. i ran I, I ran these numbers and so the, we talk about having them hummed up and dead uh well there you go <laughs> i thought you'd get a kick out of that one uh that was my first uh trip into the uh dealer's choice first year 1500 but anyways <laughs> I, I wanted to to explain the game a little to people and why it's such a good game to pick. I agree with you. I pick it, oh, about 50% of the time, and I pick uh, Big O or PLO8 the rest of the time. Uh, but one of the mistakes I made when I finished fifth in the 10K uh, dealer's choice uh, three years ago God, time flies. I can't, it seems like yesterday I was. I thought, it was, I thought, it, I thought it was, I thought that was uh, 2016. No, it was 2016. You won it in 17 okay. and 8. You won it in 18. No, no, I, no, I it was 2017. I, no, I, won 18, I, I won 18 and 19. Yeah. The year Raisner won. The year Raisner won. Three years ago. Yeah, uh, Raisner won in 2007. Yeah, so I, I finished fifth in that tournament and I was the, sh I, I, I was at 1.1 1. 1 and a half bigs and I, it took me five hours and I was a chip leader. But the and nobody had gone broke yet though, so the uh, the 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 structure had caught up to the tournament, and I made the big mistake of when I went to the chip lead and which was probably only about seven big bets, but everybody else had had like three or four. I should have gone to limit hold them or no limit hold them. Uh, it was a mistake I made, and I because the I, nobody had any chips anymore. I was I didn't want to everybody just stayed everybody was picking the uh you know plo right 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 and um anyway so you know that's there's a lot of and that's one of the things i swear and that's so that's one of the things i figured out a couple of years, uh, years ago actually i right. mean you need to know your chip stack at all times compared to everybody Correct. else's chip stack yep. at your table and it doesn't matter it, not just at the end but in the beginning and middle mm -hmm. of these tournaments when, you know, who are, are there specific players you're trying to get rid of? Let's say maybe on day one or whatever, mm -hmm. so you can hopefully get one or two more cupcakes, relatively speaking, at your table. You right. want to be able to pick games where maybe you want to keep one or two people slightly alive, and you're still going to be chipping up at the same time. And yet other times, you're like, all right, let's get a more gambling game to get this person out of here. Right. Um, yeah, and, and that's it was, good. so it was. It was pretty funny. So when we're down to when we got to three handed this year, uh, well, I got we'll skip a few parts, but I'll get that after. But yeah, so you always want to be able to. Uh, it, it, you have to know you're at all times. When you, you know, chip stack in a lot of ways can dictate the games you're picking. At the same, not, not just necessarily what your opponents maybe not might not be as experienced or as good in as some of their better games, uh, but you need to be able to. Uh, you know, certain games play much better when you're the chip leader, and certain games play much better when you when you're on the nub. Right. Uh, and in between, it's maybe slightly dependent on your best game, and sometimes uh, on your opponent's worst games. Right. And you've got to be thinking about all these things all the time. And yeah. this is the first year I noticed, much more so than other years, uh, other other top players were starting to do the same thing because the first few years of this tournament, I don't recall people doing this at all. And yeah. 
It's so I, I think I've improved every year in poker, which I think is very difficult to do. You can get really satisfied that we know where you're at, right. and the quality of play that you've seen, like in this in, in this tournament, has gotten much better uh, well, since 2015. Yeah, so the better players are starting to pick games more correctly. At least how I think they should be picked more correctly. Yeah, uh, in certain situations. You know, it's 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 one of the it's probably. It, I mean, I, it's a, such a prestigious tournament because. You, you're forced to play everybody's best game at a, a lot. And um, and they also, it's, I mean, it, I, I, it means a lot that you could play all the games. I mean, I never thought that anybody that didn't play all the games could ever win that tournament. Um, but I've uh, seen people uh, get close that just are big bet players that pick No Limit and PLO and... You know they get you know they win some big PLO pots and they they've gotten close you know but uh, I think it, you you really need to be able to play all the games to win that tournament and every time yeah, I've, uh, I've entered I, it I, I think it's very I think it's very difficult for a big bet player who's sub average in the limit in order to win that tournament because the majority of the players I think uh, are much are much better in the limit than they are in the no limit even the people who right. uh, maybe fans think are oh these are guys are no limit superstars you know yeah. you know for example like in my opinion like like for example like Sean Deeb. He's, a, he's an excellent Nolan Holden player. I think he's better. I think he's better in limit than he is in no limit. Um, in limit I think he is too. Uh, yeah, and I mean, and but for, but I think he's great and all. Like, I mean, he's I I I like the way he plays no limit Holden. Um, he yeah. I think he plays few. But we talked about this uh, when he was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Why he's able to play more hands than most people and. Um, and he works at it, and he looks for to exploit people's weaknesses. And I used to do the same. I used to play a lot of hands, but in this day and age, where people don't like to fold, it's it's, it's not as quite as easy to play as as many hands, uh, especially when you get up there in age like me. Uh, so I've kind of changed my approach a little bit, but I I, I like the way I've, I've been playing lately and. Hopefully, I'm going to work on that. But um, yeah, so uh, you know, I agree with you with what you're saying about Sean. There, uh, I think he plays the limit yeah. games better. Um, so go and, ahead. The, and like I said, it's not it's not even just him. Like the person who I thought was the best person I played it in that turn specifically was Nick Schulman, who I think is one of the best players I think I've ever played with. Period. Well, he, and people think of him yeah. as you know, no. you know, back in the day, you know, he came from a no in a whole tournament background. You know, he won Fox uh, with like 15 uh, years ago, or whatever, yeah. however how many years it was ago now. Well, he's, he's, no he's become. And he's no limit. Yeah, he's become a great all-around player. He plays the big game in uh, Bobby's room every day. So, uh, but I I agree with you. But you know what? After him commentating, I think a lot on these big buy-in tournaments, I think he got the itch to jump in there and start playing um, these, uh, you know, uh, big big buy-in no limits, and he's. He's had a lot of success recently, and it doesn't shock me because he was a no-limit holding player before he was a mixed game player, where people think I was a no-limit holding player, but I was a mixed game player. No, I, I shouldn't say that. I was a limit holding player, then became a no-limit holding tournament player, uh, but I I learned all the mixed games from before I became a really good no-limit holding tournament player. But I, I realize now what 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 one thing that Helmuth's been telling me for the last four years, five years that I didn't really listen to is 
these guys don't play better than I do. And I realize that now. And, um, you know, uh, I'm going to talk some other time about it, but uh, the adjustments I've made in No Limit uh, to where I truly believe if I put the work in, uh, within the next year, I'm going to be one of the best no limit players in the world again. And that's a big thing to say, knowing how great people are. But I, uh, I, I, I still have the feel, the sense, and uh, I'm starting to pull the trigger, which is very important. So let's go uh, to where, back to where you were talking about three hand, and we don't need to talk about me at all. Let's talk a little bit about what happened there. <laughs> well... Yeah, so the uh, when we got to the final table, uh, you know, there were a couple of other shorts. You know, there, there were a couple of short stacks. I mean, uh, let's see, it was a uh, Dave Moss, which you know very well, mm-hmm. and Matt he's Lance a he's a great player, and, by the way. He is, and nobody knows. And, and again, he, you know, people are thinking you know, he might be some amateur. Oh. Well, if he's an amateur, ni- oh. ninety percent oh. <laughs> of pros should should dream of being as good as this guy. Uh, he's really good. Um, he's he's I, I, I play cash with him all the time in L.A. He's one mm-hmm. of the nicest. Uh, yeah. very generous human beings you'll ever And meet. for people out there who uh, don't know who Dave Moskowitz is, he actually runs the Hawaiian Gardens Casino uh, in L.A. Yeah, uh, out in Los Angeles, yeah. And he's, he a, is, he's, a, he, he's a terrific a terrific player, much better human being. Uh, yes, agree. I enjoy 100%. playing with him every time I get, when, uh, when him and I get to go out to dinner, I enjoy yeah. getting to hear a lot of his stories. Uh, yeah. uh, pretty much basically a renaissance uh, type of guy. Right, uh, the type of person a lot of people we should all try to strive to be. Where did uh, where did he finish in that? Where did he finish in, in the in the tournament? Dave, so Michael McKenna went out in fifth place when him and Sean played a massive pot in the triple draw pot, uh, wow. where uh, uh, Michael had a deuce three four seven draw and decided to go with it against the Sean's made uh, eight six hand, and McKenna missed out two draws. Uh, so then Dave and, and at this point, Lance had David outshipped by a little bit. Not by too much, but it was noticeable enough to where, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, he had to push the action a little bit more. So eventually, David basically potted from under the gun forehanded with double suited pass. And he was short, and I don't blame him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I woke up with two kings in the big blind. Uh, and the king, I don't remember what two other cards were, but the kings uh, held uh, against them, and they were three handed. So at this point, in what Sean game was that? About, in what game was that? That, uh, that, that was Pilot in Omaha. Okay, uh, okay where, got uh, you. Where I busted All right. So, at this point, I want to say Sean got probably about six, maybe two, sixty percent of about two thirds of the chips. Forget the chips. All I know is when yeah. it was head up, you guys had one hundred and seventy-five big blinds in the no limit, no limit, and in the pot no, no, limit no. games, yeah. and you guys had like. 80 big big bets in a limit. And I'm like, these guys are going to play it forever. And, um, which is great. And it's the next fun, thing, you know, you know, you know I, and I, and then you, you'll, I put, I forgot, but I know I have them in one of my vlogs of me driving around the, your guys's table and fuck it. I forgot which one it was, but I know we put, yeah, you know yeah, which yeah. One it, was, it, was, it was the uh, 1500 PLO because uh, I, showed, I showed it to a couple friends. Right, right, them. right, right. And uh, I was like chugging around and I'm like, you guys are going to play forever. And then I, I yeah. go back. Uh, I, that's right. When I got knocked out of the, uh, the, the PLO and I jumped into the big bet mix and grenade, it played like shit. But on my first <laughs> bullet and the second bullet, I played good. I just ran bad. Um, 
And I remember them saying, I'm, I'm, I said, we went on break. I'm going to go, I'm going to go see what's going on. And I go over and they're like, like they're interviewing you. I'm like, how the fuck is this over? And I'm like, what the fuck happened? And then I remember you said to me, oh, wait, wait till you see the write up, Mike. And uh, don't worry, it's 100% accurate. And I'm thinking, okay, so Sean obviously did something crazy. This should be interesting to see the write up. And I was a little shocked with the write up. But, you know, if you, uh, for all the listeners out there, if you listen to Sean Deeb's account of where, why he went, how, why he went with the hand the way he went with, um, I, I mean, I, it made a lot of sense from his point of view. Uh, I still disagree. And I told him on the broadcast that. I told him, there's no way that you're ever playing a big no limit pot. And he's like, well, that's what he wanted me to think. And uh, and that's why I played the hand the way I did, because he wanted me to think that I would never play, that you would never play a big pot without it. But I think he was thinking a little bit too in depth there, because I truly believe you would never have played for all your chips in a big no limit pot with him. But uh, go ahead, tell me what your um, thought process was when he picked no well, limit eight times in a row. Right, so, and well, let me first say, John is better at me than no hold him. We know, uh, yeah. I don't deny that. I won't He's even, better I than both of us. Deny that. I, I, and, and again, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's by as big a margin as he thinks it is. Right. But it, it's by, but, you know, it, it's by a margin I, I can notice. Right. Know? Of course, and, like it wasn't. It wasn't surprising that he won the twenty-five K high roller down in Florida yesterday. No, not the least bit surprising. He's no. just that. He's that damn good. Uh, he's, uh, he's he's good, great. and I was surprised the type and, of work that he puts into learning. God, I just imagine how you know if I ever put that kind of work in a poker. I was just it just always came natural to me. I've I've run Sims on like when I get beaten hands, how big a favorite I was, or I run a, you know, but I don't, th these guys run like thousands of Sims, hand versus hand. I, I, I don't need, I got the basic math in my head. I don't need to run 5 million Sims to get it to an exact science because you know as well as I know, I mean, Math can only get you so far in no limit hold'em. I mean, you got to be. No, you need you need eventually. I mean, you eventually got to have some skill. You got to be able to. When you're playing live, right? You know, you've got to be able to. Re, you've got to be able to read much more. I think so, so too. Yeah. So, in, so I was gonna say. So in terms of getting shot, I'll explain. I'll explain the step which led to this answer, which I think led to Sean's uh, thought process. Okay. So, or, like I said, so it goes back to when we started playing three handed. Sean and like I said, which I think is an important narrative to the story. So Sean's got me out chipped by probably around close to two to one at this point. And Glance has under 10% of the chips. And my thought process was, yeah, because Sean's thinking, you know what, I'm probably going to get heads up with Adam, but if I can grind him down a little bit, I'll have a much bigger chip lead uh, heads up against him. Mm -hmm. So I thought this out right away. So my thought process was against him. As a result, he said, you know what, I'm going to play super tight pre-flop against him. Any hand I'm in the big blind with, I'm going to be flatting. Mm -hmm. I'm not three-betting a single hand of my range, including aces. At this point, well, I mean, just in it case, didn't sound like it. you played too tight. He says you raised the button and he he six xed you out out of position and you called with seven eight offsuit. Well, I'll, I'll get, we'll get I'll to get that. To okay, to that. let's go. So, okay, so it something happened. I actually had a decent amount of hand uh, three handed. Uh, I wasn't raising too wide. 
as I normally probably would, uh, three-handed from the button, just because I know Sean's likely to three-bet me a lot. Uh, it just so happened a couple times where he flopped two straights on me. One time when I slow played the aces, and I went runner-runner to make aces full. Uh, and another time where I raised That's a three-bet out of the small blind, and I had ace-jack, and the flop went ace-jack ace, 10, and he told me I had king-queen, where he bet flop, he bet turn, and the river paired the ace. He checked, and I bet, and I barreled pretty huge, and he's basically said, this is impossible. I can't hold another straight, but I know you have me beat. You just have me beat every time in the spot. And right. in those scenarios, he's correct. Because right. obviously, I want to make sure I get the heads up, because the difference between second and third place money was about 60000 which right. is, uh, you got at least six more 10Ks we get to play. Right. During the World Series, basically, so Trust it gives me, us a know. you know a few more uh, bullets to uh, fire in there. Right. So my thought process was going to be I'm going to be still playing all my monsters against him. I'm going to let him hang himself. Uh, hopefully, he let him hang himself when I get when I get there. Maybe he'll double and triple barrel certain spots. Now, after listening to his interview, one thing I didn't realize that he was doing was that he started pre betting me more with premium hand with more premium hands as opposed to some junk that he had done a few times. Right. When I called him down, I, I had the best hand every time. So my thought process was when we get heads up, uh, one, if the spot comes right, I will triple barrel because I didn't think he thought I was capable of that. But also, I trust myself playing deep stack uh, poker heads up because I come from a no-limit cash game background where, you know, when most people are playing no-limit holding cash, they come from an online background where they're playing 100 BB deep. Well, back in Columbus, when I first started playing and then I started playing in L.A., I started playing 250, 300, 400 big blinds deep. Mm-hmm. Which is very unusual. So I I, I love playing deep stack mill in the hole. But I haven't you, played as much cash in recent years. Let me interrupt you for one second and say, um, okay, so you say you 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 would have you had no problems three barrel and Sean, but would you if the, if the right situation came up? Yes, would you have I, ever I three barreled, including go all in for your tournament life? I don't know in the uh, limit, there, that it, deep. It, That's my. If question. I thought the situation was right, I was prepared to do that. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. So So he was he was right when he felt you might you were prepared to do that. When he said that on the it, interview. But, but I wasn't gonna do that early on. Because okay. I, I thought I had to set the situation up right. So the one thing that I made an adjustment when we started playing heads up was the very first time I flop a big hand against him, every single time I'd flatted him. Not once I I not one time uh, when I flopped when I had an overpair or if I flopped two pair or set or a straight, not one time that I raised. The first time it happens, I'm going to raise him, and it's going to get his head spinning like, wow, Adam just doesn't have it here because he, you know, he, he hasn't done that once with a big hand, mm-hmm. which is what led him to call me down when I raised pre-flop, and he three-bet. And like I said, I hadn't taken the, the one thing, I, the one adjustment he made, which I listened on your podcast, mm-hmm. was that he hadn't been three-betting weak. And I, I, I had not had caught up to that point, and I had looked match yet. Right. Which I, which I don't know. I, I had not seen that yet coming. I knew eventually he was going to make uh, adjustments because all great players do. Mm-hmm. However, like I said, I, counterintuitive, like I said, I had to make one or two adjustments my own. So when he three-bet on the slum, I thought, yeah, he's just raising whatever. He, he's just three-betting whatever. I'm like, I got 8-7 off. We're sitting over 100 BBs deep, and I'm more than prepared to try to outplay him in certain spots if the situation's right. Okay. Well, it just so happens the flat goes 8-7-4, mm-hmm. and it was like, wow, I just basically flopped the virtual nuts here, heads up. Mm-hmm. And when he led, he led, I think, one-third pot or a little bit less than that. Mm-hmm. It's the first time I raised the entire time. Uh, so it, it almost looks like I'm, I've got some sort of gut shot, very marginal type hand, right. like, cause I would never raise an overpair on a, on a scary board with that, which I mm-hmm. think he's correct about. Right. Uh, so it looks like I've, I got some sort of straight draw more than anything else. So when the seven hits, the seven almost doesn't hit any of my range. 
because if I would have flopped second pair on that board, I'm just going to call the flop. Well, that's well, I'm not what I said. Wait, pair. let me ask you something. Like, I think on the podcast I said the seven hit the turn and the jack hit the river, and he said the jack hit the turn and the seven hit the no. river. So which way is it? No. The, the, uh, he did I, say I that on the podcast, house. correct? Yeah, yeah, he said that, yeah. That's what I, I thought. the full house. Right. Yeah. So the seven is, not, he, he is right. The seven is not supposed to hit any of my range yet because if right. I would have had second pair and that's it, why would, I mean, who raises second pair there? Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody does. Right. So, yeah, so he's right. The seven's not supposed to hit me at all. I'm supposed to have all sorts of straight draws at this point. Uh, I but think you're, much more. I, I mean, you're also supposed to have that. a pair, right? And a straight draw, right? I could. It, it, I mean, I, I, but it doesn't look like I can't have much more than that, you know? Okay, so, so let's just say that's the thing. Like, like even if he puts you on nine ten, a straight draw, that gets there on the river. I mean... It does. And a pair and a straight draw... I mean, he's got a fold on the turn because he's only got ace high. Unless he's given you specifically a 9-6 or a 9-10. And once the jack hits, I mean, he can only beat 9-6. So, um, I, you know, this is what I talked to him about, uh, and which is really good because I wanted to get your perspective of the hand because, um, you know, he got really shredded by everybody. And, I, you know, I even told him I shredded him and... And uh, he gave me his opinion of why he played the hand he did and, and, and the way he did. And now, you know, hearing from you, it's, it's, it's good to hear. But I still, uh, you know, I, I did disagree with him. But, but go ahead Let's, uh, with what you Yeah, watch. so, and, and again, also, about two years ago, I didn't realize this, but my no-limit holding had really gone to crap. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I didn't even realize this. One of, the, uh, one of my, uh, my best friend, Poker, who used to play a lot of Omaha to better with over the summer, Nick Wagenti, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, the Poker one knows him as Biggie. Mm-hmm. He basically had to reinvent my no limit holding game all over again. Yeah. Uh, especially when playing uh, 15, like a 10 to 20 big blind stack. I mean, I played that stack just shoot for, for about a couple years straight, and mm-hmm. I didn't even realize it. Uh, and that's basically where poker is a lot of days. You know, how I want to play it from 10 to 20 big blinds. Right. Uh, but then he started teaching me some, reteaching me some other stuff uh, that, you know, where the game started trending uh, and how to do certain things in different ways. So, you know, it just, he just reinvigorated my no limit holding game altogether. Right. Now, am I at Sean Deeb's level or these guys that play the high rollers? No. But I think if I put a ton of work in, I think one day I could, yeah, but, but it's not a goal of mine. Me I neither. Stretch, I just don't play I don't play a lot of no in the home tournament. Well, it doesn't appeal to me as much. Well, um, you know, that makes sense of, of the hand. Uh, but uh, he still had to call like a hundred, like 80 to 100 bigs on the river when the jack hits and you moved all in. Uh, did he snap you? Uh, what? Tell me what happened there. Yeah, so uh, like I said, I raised about five hundred something on the flop. I bet six and change on the turn, and I want to say he had about call about one point five to one point seven behind, if I remember correctly. Yeah, um, I think it was one one. I think and, it was one. They, the report said like I think it was one million four hundred seventy five left on the river. I th- it, it, it could it have been one point four and change. Yeah, um, and, yeah somewhere I, I, in there. Go I ahead. think we were playing. Uh, if I remember correctly, in terms of no limit. I think we were playing. Boy, come in twenty five fifty. We must have been playing. Uh, Pretty lo- 10, small. Fifteen thirty, I think. I think we we're playing fifteen thirty. Like I made it sixty, and he made it like two hundred quarter pre flop. Well, it's, uh, yeah, it's real easy to figure because I remember walking when I came by. It, you guys in the big bet games. I think you were like hundred and seventy big blinds in the big. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, they're gonna play forever. But um, yeah, so uh, it probably I think it might have. Uh, 
Yeah, that sounds about right. So how many big blinds? It was on the end, it was still what? 70 big blinds he had to call. Uh, yeah, if we were playing, if it was fifteen thirty, it was uh, if it was one point five, it was another fifty. It was another fifty behind. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was a. Uh, but you know, like I said, he followed. And like you said, above all, you know, the one thing above all, some poker. When in doubt, you got to follow your instincts. Yeah. And, and you know what? And he went. He, he went with this, and you, you can't fault the guy. I won't. Uh, and that's that. that was why I really his interview a couple of weeks ago on the podcast for people that were listening and haven't heard it, they should check out. Um, the podcast, I think it was episode uh, thirteen. I I I I like when I heard Sean say that people underrate your game, because I've been one of those people that always have too. I, uh, you know, I, I know you're a great stud player, uh, but every I never really gave you too much credit for anything else. And uh, you know, now I could say I can, you know, you've earned your respect. So uh, and now you go out and win a no limit tournament. Uh, <laughs> last yeah, week, uh, so about a week, uh, yeah. week ago for one hundred and thirty thousand. So um, you know things are going good from the uh, in the Adam Friedman world. Well, Adam, it's been great talking to you. Wonderful interview. Enjoyed the insight of what was going on in your head when you defended your ten k um, uh, dealer's choice championship. And uh, I wish you the best this year, the rest of the year, and I will talk to you soon. You got it, Mike. And so thanks for having me on once again. You got it, buddy. Take care. Peace. Thanks, you too. The mouthpiece. Well, I hope you enjoyed our interview with back-to-back uh, champion of uh, the dealer's choice, Mr. Adam Friedman. I hope you got some insights at what was going through his mind during the tournament. And I hope you enjoyed listening to us and to me about what's going on with me here in L.A. So, I hope you enjoy episode 16 of The Mouthpiece, and we'll be back next week for another special guest for episode 17 of The Mouthpiece. Have a great day, and we'll see you next week. Back from L.A. in Las Vegas. Take care.